You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. And welcome, boys and girls. I'm your host, Pimpcron, and welcome to the Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast, the only Warhammer podcast that caters specifically to fluff and casual players aiming to ignite the hobbyist in all of you. Uh, there is a warning. Much of this show is very sexy. And I'll just I'll just issue an arousal warning. Just, just warning you. So, if... If your if your erection lasts for more than four hours after listening to the Pimp Crown Warhammer podcast, you need to consult a physician. Guys, I cannot believe it is already time for another episode. This is just like, life just flies by so fast. And I am excited to be doing this weekly. It is definitely a lot more work than all the other podcasts that are bi-weekly. But I really do enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoy a uh, new infusion of Warhammer and hobby goodness each week. And as always, I have lots of things to talk about. I am joined by Miss Cron for some fan mail and talking about do-it-yourself transports, which of course we've covered in a previous episode, but we will touch on it again tonight on how to make your uh, DIY transports. And that comes from a reader as all the fan mail does, so not sure why I said that. But anyway, then we have Want That or Want That Not with the Underworld card sleeves from Games Workshop. That is, boy, that'll raise the hair on your head. That's exciting. And we also have a wheel, well, here's an idea, gosh. Well, we have a well, here's an idea on basing ideas. Boy, I'm just killing this this week. So we've got a, well, here's an idea on different types of basing for your models and what you can do with it, how to make every army different, etc., etc., etc. There's actually three etc. in that, uh, that conversation. We also have Real Talk with the Pimpcron, and I'm joined by Lore Master Alex for, well, pipe dreams if we ran GW for the day. And... We like to, you know, uh, what's it called? Armchair quarterback, you know? We like to armchair quarterback, our old friend, Games Workshop. And maybe we're way off base, but, you know, we got ideas. And ideas are, you know, talk is cheap, as they say. So, finally, I have a special treat for you guys. So, you, uh, if you normally skip the brutality section at the very end, maybe you don't want to. It's moderately interesting. Uh, I am actually talking about the baddest bitch to ever draw a breath, and I am talking about Ishtar. She goes by a bunch of different names, and she's in, like, a dozen different religions by different names, which makes it really confusing, but she is a huge figure in history in the Sumerians and the uh, Akkadians and, and whatnot, and I'm going to go into probably a two-part, uh thing about her and what exactly are some of the lore behind her, the stories that she was told, what is she known for as a goddess, uh, who she screwed over, who she sent to hell, who she threatened with bringing hell to them, and whatnot. So, the um, baddest bitch to dra draw a breath of life was actually a quote from the cocaine queen of Miami back in the 80s, so, but I just think that's such a, that's such a righteous phrase, isn't it? I'm the baddest bitch to ever draw a breath of life. Like that's, that's pretty tough. So anyway, let's get this show on the road. You know what? I say that every week. Let me, let me say something different. Let's show the road get on. There you go. Nailed it. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. And we're back with another Tesseract Mailbox. And today I'm joined again by the loveliest lady I know, Kron Et, or Miss Kron. Uh, today I'm feeling kind of frisky. I'll go by whatever you want to call me. Kron Et it is. Or the motherboard. There you go. <laughs> I'll call you the motherboard. The motherboard. I like it. That's right. So we have another letter today from a uh, adoring fan. I assume it's adoring. 
Go ahead and read it, and we'll decide if it's a Dorian or not. Okay, let me see. Pimp, I hate you. No, I'm sorry. No, that was wrong. <laughs> Pimp, I have read a few of your articles and was wondering what the cheapest way to safely carry my models is. Um, and they said, by the way, or P.S., I have Dark Eldar. And who is this from? This is from S. Brown 24. S. Brown 24. Okay, so S. Brown... Um, I don't know if you caught a couple episodes ago. I had a, well, here's an idea on doing, uh, making do-it-yourself transports for your armies on the cheap. If you want to go back and listen to that, that's uh, one thing you could do. But um, I can touch some of that now, and the freedom I have of not having any sponsors is that I can tell you exactly what I think of other transports that are commercial, commercially available from different co- uh, companies. So, I would start off by saying Dark Eldar is one of the hardest armies to try to transport because it's they're very spindly. They have a bunch of, you know, spikes and blades, and they're very thin. All the Eldar stuff is very thin, not bulky like a Space Marine or an Orc. And um, so, I would say basically any of the army transports would work for you, but if you wanted to... Um, make one yourself, I would probably suggest, because everything is so spindly, do my method of buying a 99-cent uh, clear plastic tub. It's about maybe 6 inches by 12 inches or so from Home Depot, and they are literally 99 cents, and you can buy a ton of them. And a bonus is that they actually fit in the Sable Army Transports, because that's what I use um, for most of my armies. But um, so if you ever decide to upgrade to a regular army transport, it will probably fit those cases. But um, what I do is what I call the lasagna method, which is you get um, a 99 cent container of Home Depot uh, Tupperware and you get, I think it's called HDX is the brand, but it's Home Depot. It's got like the orange label or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Used yep. And um, then I buy a like $1 roll of bubble wrap and I... <laughs> And I literally lasagna in the models where you put in one layer and you put your models down and then you fold it over and put another layer and put the models down and fold it over and you make a zigzag like that. And I think you can get the bubble wrap for a dollar or something at the Dollar Tree. Yes. Yeah. It's it's really, really cheap. And that is seriously, you could you could transport an entire army for probably ten dollars. Get like <laughs> get like five or six or seven of those Tupperware things. Mm-hmm. And fill them with um, bubble wrap lasagna and your models. And the uh, the nice thing is, is that the um, you know a lot of the models are dynamically posed. They're running or they're shooting or they're whatever. They're not those old static Space Marine poses. And a lot of the Army transports, you will have to get thicker trays in order to um, uh, make Account up for those little spindles. Yes, and. Um, <clears throat> It takes up a lot more space doing that, but the lasagna method actually works pretty well. Um, believe it or not, in my Dark Eldar uh, carrying case, I have them in a Sayball case, but the bottom of the Sayball case is filled with one of those 99-cent Home Depot containers, and I have all of my Raiders and my Venom and my uh, Talos and Kronos paint engines. I have all of that in there amidst uh, bubble wrap. So that works really well. If you're going to do it on the cheap, I would definitely say that is the cheapest way. But like I said before, I don't accept advertisers, so I can give you my exact opinion on what some of these other products are. And I would have to say my number one go-to would be, be uh, Sabol Army uh, Army Transports, and it's S-A-B-O-L. And that was just so happened to be my first Army Transport I ever bought. But also now I own like 15 of those Army Transports because, uh, you know, you kind of have to have brand loyalty because none of the foam from different companies fit the different cases because they're all different dimensions slightly. Mm-hmm. So you have to, um, once I had the one case and I had extra foam, then I just started, I kept buying that same case because I already have the foam. You know, you if knew I, what to expect. I mean, once you have one and you yes. like it, or at least somewhat like it, I don't mean, I don't know how much you actually are, are liking, liking it, but you know, Oh, I do. No, I, I love Sable. Um, the, uh, I don't know if, if they offer actual hard cases. Mm-hmm. All of mine are like, um, like, um, lunchbox cooler. You know, they're, yeah, the soft ones. Yeah. The soft mm-hmm. ones. And 
despite um you know all the years of me having them like they they work just fine i love them you, they can be tossed around a bit and everything's still safe and whatnot also they tend to be one of the cheaper i feel the better for your uh bang for your buck because they're like maybe 80 or 100 bucks for a case but usually it comes with foam mm -hmm. which um there are some cheaper things like that like care multi-case which are perfectly fine but they're cardboard like um the type of box you'd get your laptop in you know, and, um, they have, you know, foam in them or whatnot, and they're very inexpensive, but they're also not as durable as the Sable cases. Then you can go even more expensive and get like the, um, the hard ones. Uh, you can get hard ones like crystal cast. I have mm -hmm. one crystal cast case. And the only reason why that is, is because I bought it secondhand. Um, I never knew about it prior to getting it secondhand from a friend and, um, they have Kinda really like nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I bought I bought that case from Justin, and I also got gonorrhea from him. So, <laughs> apparently, he doesn't wash his hands, and it was on the handle. So, mm. that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> but, got it from the toilet seat, huh? Yes. Uh, anyway. So, uh, but Crystal Cast is good, although they're quite expensive. But they're basically like um, uh, music cases. They're really hard, almost like a guitar case, hmm. and they've got latches and straps and everything, and they're pretty cool. Um, the other one would be Battle Foam. Battle Foam is one of the better known ones. They will do like custom cut foam for all your models. There's like a um, a web based program you can do, and there's templates. They they there's a template, like a, a square sheet of foam, and a template shaped as every model GW sells. Oh wow! And you can actually place it and rotate it however you want, and they will custom cut it out for you, which is pretty cool. Like Sayball is pluck foam. Or, um, that's the square cut that you pull out individually. They're perforated. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And, um, I think Caramel Multicase has pluck foam as well, but the, um, uh, the battle foam, they probably do pluck foam, but I know that they do custom cutting. Um, the only difference for that is, is my, my friend, Steve, uh, money bag, Steve, he's got, you know, anything he does, he goes all out. So he's got a, uh, battle foam case and it was like, I don't know, $300 or something. He got it like custom embroidered with his name on it. Well, you know, and... if you've got an army that's worth a lot of money, like something that you've either professionally painted yourself or like had professionally painted, you know, I guess it would be worth it to protect it. Also, if you only play one army. Yeah, but I mean, I think we covered it all. Yeah, I mean, th those are the basics. Um, I would suggest if you're going to buy one, the best bang for your buck that I feel is Sable. But otherwise, if you want to go like the hobo route, you know, like look like you're homeless a little, you could bring in like seven Tupperware containers into your game store. Well, if you buy your paints elsewhere, you know, that don't cost $40 for like two ounces or less. Oh you... gosh, it's not even two ounces, I don't think. <laughs> it's like 0. 0.75, 0.75 or something stupid. Um, but I mean, if you've got reason price, if you got the clear containers though, you like, you could decorate them and like little paint little like hearts on the side. You could um, bejazzle them. You could bejazzle them. That's true. Or bedazzle. I'm thinking of uh, vajazzle them. Yeah, yeah vajazzle. Um, you could also vajazzle them. That would... If it'll stick to a crotch, it'll stick to a Tupperware container. <laughs> like gonorrhea. <laughs> like gonorrhea. We've gone full circle, see? Oh, we tied it all in. Goodness, anyway. Anyway, thank you, uh, S. Brown, for writing in. And I think I've yapped your ear off long enough about army transports. Toodles. More than they want to know. Want that or want that not? On tonight's edition of Want That or Want That Not with the Pimpcron, we are going to be covering the Warhammer Underworld Night Vault sleeves? Card sleeves? Damn it, is GW actually making card sleeves now? For crying out loud, Wizards of the Coast is going to have a cease and desist, I think. Or uh, one of those other, what, Upper Deck? Those other companies. So, um... This is another one of those odd products, and it's just a shame that uh, Loremaster Alex isn't around to give me shit over it as I cover this, because this one's really... <sighs> I want to hate it so bad. I really, really, really want to hate it. Uh, specifically, I'm looking at Zarbag's Gitz sleeves from the Warhammer Underworld's Night Vault. <sighs> I just... There's the hipster inside me that really, really, really wants to hate the... Uh, capitalism in this 
so Warhammer Underworld Underworlds, I should say, Warhammer Underworlds. It uses cards, as probably all of you know, or most of you know. They use cards for their actions, so you have to build your own custom deck, and those are your actions for your character and whatnot. And naturally, you want something to protect those cards. So that would make sense that GW makes the need for it by making a game with cards, and then they supply the solution to that need, which would be making card sleeves i just i don't know what to say about this it's eight dollars for 41 card sleeves i don't play magic the gathering seriously so i don't know if that's good or not on a price i'm assuming it's marginally high because it's a games workshop product but so i so badly want to hate this because it just seems like they created an issue and then they're selling the product for it but on the other hand, obviously they're a company. They got to make money. I mean, duh, that's how that works. And you do want card sleeves. If if I played Warhammer Underworlds, which I do not, because brutality is a <coughs> much much superior game. Um, you didn't hear that from me though. But if I did play Warhammer Underworlds, I would buy deck sleeves. So that kind of makes sense that you would do that because you want your cards to stay clean. On the other hand, these deck sleeves also look pretty cool. They've got custom, you know, um, printed designs and things that will match whatever army that you're playing. And that's a pretty cool touch, too, just like all the other card sleeves do. So it's not like, you know, they didn't invent that. But I'm pretty sure if you go on their website, the card sleeve in the picture is upside down. I am pretty, pretty sure, which is such a weird, uh, it's like a bad moon symbol, basically, but unless I'm completely mistaken, which I'm pretty sure I'm not, because this, what I'm looking at is an upside down moon on this card sleeve, I'm going to take off points just for sloppy presentation, because these guys, come on, I mean, it's, the least you could do is get your symbol upright in this card sleeve package when you're trying to show it to p potential buyers. But, you know, honestly, that's really nitpicking. So, as much as I don't want to like this product, and as much as I feel like it really is proof that us gamers will buy fucking anything that they sell, I guess I have to say that these do look pretty nice, despite being upside down in the, the um, example picture. And they do have a nice theme to your army. If I did decide to sully myself with Warhammer Underworld's game, I probably hate to admit that I would want this. Yeah, I would hate to admit that I want this. But you know what? I'd buy it anyway because it's pretty neat. I've got many, many uh, casual Magic the Gathering decks, and I just heard a bunch of you gasp. And a few of you, yep, a few of you just threw up. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I uh, I do like having themed deck sleeves for them. I have a fairy deck, and I have fairies on that uh, those sleeves. I have a zombie deck, and I have um like a demonic symbol on it for the undead. And I have a uh, dragon deck that has dragon sleeves. I have a uh, control deck for uh, water with a nice blue water mana symbol. I'm just airing all of my nerdiness at this point, but I have to admit, I think I do want them if I played that game. But here's just a shot across your bow, GW. Make your sleeve up the right side up when you're trying to make an example of it. All right. Other than that, I guess I have to admit that I want it. That's all, folks. Now, here's an idea. For tonight's segment of, well, here's an idea, I want to discuss a couple ideas I had on basing your armies. Now, I am in a somewhat unique situation because I have several, several, several armies, and I have clearly an addiction and an issue with this game. But 
Many of you have more than one army, whether it's Age of Sigmar and 40k or whatnot. And even, you know, Brutality Warbands, keep that in mind, kids. But, over the years, I have come up with several, several different ways to base your armies. And I have a lot of fun um, choosing what type of basing to do for my armies, as well as what type of bases to buy, as well as what colors, because it has to go well with the army. So, I'm going to start off with different types of bases. I enjoy basing all of my armies in different ways with different techniques and different color schemes because I find it very, very boring to do the same exact basing job on every single army I own. And that gets old real quick. So, of course, the conventional way of doing it would be some Elmer's glue and some sand. And what you do is you Elmer's glue over everywhere that you want sand and then go ahead and just dump sand all over it, let it dry, then you can paint it. Well, you could just actually keep it the regular sand color, which many people do, but I have a serious issue with that. And maybe you might want to call it nitpickiness or OCD, but I'm always afraid that I'm not going to have the same color blend of sand. If I start an army now, and then 10 years later, I go to base new models, I'm probably not going to have the same color sand. Because over time, you know, I keep adding new sand and the, the mixture in the, in the bucket slowly changes. So I always paint my sand on my models. Always, always, always. Because I would rather it be a painted color versus a natural color. But you do what you want. So naturally, you take... Uh, some people use super glue. I don't recommend it because the Elmer's glue is actually much thicker. And it grabs more sand, so it makes a thicker base. But you can use super glue or Elmer's glue, whatever you want. And you cover it in sand, let it dry, and then you can either keep it that color or you prime it, and then you dry brush it brown or gray or whatever you want to do. That is the tried and true method. Another version would be to use the special uh, bases that GW has just recently started making in the last, what, two years or so where they have, you know, highly detailed bases that are like, you know, uh, sci-fi flooring, you know, grates and panels, or Age of Sigmar-like statues and whatnot. And that's a pretty cool idea. But, um, you know, they're v they come at a premium price from GW. And sometimes, you know, those kits, they, they'll come with a bunch of, like, infantry bases and then maybe one Dreadnought base or something like that. And you can't exactly buy them individually. Maybe somebody does actually split up those boxes and sell the bits of those unique bases, different sizes, but I haven't seen that, nor have I looked, to be honest. But there are umpteen different websites that sell resin or plastic cast specialty dice. Uh, specialty dice? What am I saying? Specialty bases. And you can literally find any damn thing you want to find as far as basing material. Um, I mean, any, anything from jungle to you know ruins to sci-fi to medieval to you know a graveyard to pumpkins to literally anything so i would if you want to make a special looking army i would definitely go with special bases but you don't necessarily have to do that i've done that in the past with different armies by um, like, for instance, my Drakari army, which is actually, as per my fluff, it's a custom vampire army. They're a very minor race that just lives on one planet, and they're striking out against the... They kind of live like pirates raiding other larger armies, and that's the calls for all of my battles. And for some reason, it just struck me. I'm like, you know what? I want to buy pumpkins. I just want to buy a crap ton of little 28mm pumpkins and have, like, a Halloween-themed army. And they're vampires, for crying out loud, so... They are a black and red color scheme, and I'm going to have gray basing because I have not based them yet. And when my pumpkins come in, I'll have a bright orange pumpkin on it. And I think that will look really good. And that, even if you're... The, the magic of basing is, is even if your paint scheme is not that great, if you do things on the base, that adds so much more character to your models. And it really does help. So if you don't want to go the route of adding glue and sand to regular bases and you don't want to go the route of buying pre-cast whatever custom bases, um, you could always just buy some bits. They have a million different types of bits online where you could just buy a, a pack of bits and add them all to, you know, to your um, bases. 
Another very interesting idea that some people do, and I am definitely on the fence on, is there are clear plastic bases. So another issue that I have is maybe this is OCD or being picky, but I don't like fighting on a grass board with a ice-based Space Wolf Army, let's say. Because just in my head, I know these are models and whatnot, but in my head I'm like, what is everywhere these people walk? They're just freezing the ground? Like, how is there snow around these people on this grass mat? And that sounds stupid, I understand, but that always bothers me. So what I usually do is I always try to make my bases either like a type of gray or a type of brown where that could fit a grassy area, that could fit a ruins in a city, that could fit anywhere. And But the, the interesting workaround for this, I know, I believe Litko, L-I-T-K-O, I believe Litko sells these. Uh, there's a couple other uh, companies that do. But they're clear acrylic bases. And now you can't use super glue when you glue your models to them because the super glue will fog up. They actually sell a special glue. I forget what it is. Um, I've bought it before. And it's a big tube like um, cement. And it does not fog up. But they look pretty cool. I'm, I am on the fence because these bases... I mean, it's obviously they still have a base. It's not perfectly invisible. But it is pretty cool looking to have your space marines actually look like they're walking through the actual mat or terrain that you've put them on. And I... I really like the clear bases, but I have never myself purchased clear bases. Um, I did for some civilians for a kill team board for Shorehammer, and I did do that. So that's the only time I've bought clear bases, but not for any of my armies. Another idea, if you are feeling particularly lazy, is that after all of these armies that I have been painting, I have slowly been running ideas out of ideas to base them. So for my primaris, primaris, for my primaris, um, Space Marine Army, I am literally just painting the entire base gray, like even the, the rim around the outside and everything like that, because normally when I base something, I base the top of it and leave the black ring around it. But I've slowly started transitioning to the GW method of actually painting the edges of the base as well. And that, that looks pretty cool. But um, my Space Marines are Celestial Lions, which are gold and blue and white is their color scheme, mostly gold. And they're just so darn bright, I needed something to really knock down that brightness and contrast with it. So I just use uh, probably Mechanicus Gray, I think is what it's called. And it's just a, just a regular gray, but um, I honestly don't notice that they're not based. When I paint the entire base, you know, because GW bases are kind of textured anyway, so it somewhat looks like sand, not quite. And painting the entire base gray just just makes it look a, look a heck of a lot better than just simply black basing. And my final idea, or my final suggestion for you, is that any time that you have a large base for, like, let's say, a Mauler Fiend or a Flyer or something like that, you need to make it a scene because you have such a nice palette right there, a canvas to work on, that you need to set up some sort of something for it. Like your Mauler Fiend could be walking through a minefield. Or, you know, um, I have a friend, I've, uh, Tony, that has done an amazing job. He's an amazing painter to begin with, but he's always very good at doing things with foam and, and trees and whatnot. And his flyers for his Eldar, uh, whatever it's called, the the Eldar jet fighter that they have he actually covered up almost all of the stem for the flyer base in like this rock and foliage. And it almost doesn't look like it's a flying stand at all. And that's pretty amazing. I've seen other people do that sort of thing too, but um, that's what I would definitely suggest. Anytime that you have a large base, you should definitely take that opportunity to make it some sort of diorama. Like some things, the uh, gosh, I'm going to lose its name right now. And I even own one too. Um, Harrispex? I think it's the Harrispex for Tyranids. The, it actually comes with a Terminator that it's standing on, on the base. So occasionally they'll give you that, but that's pretty awesome. Uh, and here's a bonus idea. If you have a friend that you play against constantly, like maybe you do some garage hammer, basement hammer, whatever, if you have a particular rivalry with another player, you should always, always, always take your large bases and make a diorama of your models killing his or her models because that is so awesome. 
somewhat in the same vein, but not quite the same. Uh, when I was making a bunch of looted vehicles back in the day, most of my looted vehicles are actually rhinos that have been converted for my orcs into uh, trucks. And I have my friend Steve who plays Blood Angels, so I made a Blood Angel rhino like they stole it from him. And at the time, my friend Tim played Black Templar, although he's transitioned to guard now. But I have a Black Templar one that was specific for him. And one of my looted wagons, one of my uh, battle wagons for orcs, is actually Grey Knights themed, which is from my other friend TJ who plays Grey Knights. So that's a nice, fun ribbon you can do with your friends as well. You know, like, oh, look at this, we're superior. And then you all laugh. But not really, because it's really not that funny. But it's cute. Anyway, let's go on to the next segment. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Hey, listen up. I've got a secret. Uh, it's about the Patreon. Okay. I have started releasing exclusive missions and eventually campaign trees and maps for my patrons on a monthly basis. That's right. And eventually we're going to have a publication where we collect all of those together and the the patrons will have a free access to the PDFs and get discounts on the paperback and whatnot. So I just wanted to pass that along. Uh, I know you've never, ever heard me mention Patreon before, but if you love freedom and you love America, and even if you don't love those two things, go to patreon.com slash pimpcron. You know what? I can't even say my own name. Slash pimpcron and... Uh, support whatever causes are dear to you by supporting me. Oh, good God. What time is it, Loremaster Alex? It's time for Real Talk with the Pimpcron. Oh, guess who I am? You. I'm the Pimpcron. Guess who you are? Not Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this is Pimpcron and Loremaster Alex, and here is Real Talk with the Pimpcron. Today we are going to discuss our pipe dreams of what we would do if we ran GW. And believe me, my plan would not be to raise the prices and cut the models in the box in half. No, Loremaster Alex is going to get up on his uh, soapbox today. Oh, baby. I've been dusting this bitch off ready for this conversation. Of course, you know, everybody loves to be an armchair, uh, you know, uh, CEO, I guess you'd say. And, and, you know, we all say, oh, I'd do this or I'd do that. But here's the thing. I'm up for the challenge. Most if of, game if the Games Workshop CEO flew a helicopter out to my house and said, "Come on, you think you so you think you can do it? Let's do it." I'm like, "All right, put me on the fucking docket. Let's do this." Let's. Yeah, I, I don't anticipate that happening, but if it does, I can dream. Damn it! So of course we're talking with no industry knowledge, no inside industry knowledge. So halfway we're talking at our ass, but you know it's still fun to talk. So. This is I what, feel like even though we're talking out of our ass, our ass has some good ideas. Mm. Yours talks a lot. Oh, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with you because you're just bristling with ideas. Uh, what would What is one of the things you would do if you ran GW? Well, besides having the head of marketing shot for his comments about Australia, uh, I'd probably start with expanding their entertainment section. And what do you mean by that? Well, of course, we have Black Library, and mm-hmm. I love Black Library. Some of those authors in there are great. I actually still talk to Dan Abnett on Facebook. That's, like, how cool of a guy he is. Despite the restraining order. Despite the restraining yeah. order. Yeah, I know. I mean, he tased me twice, but, I, <laughs> I mean, you don't tase somebody twice if it doesn't mean love, right? That's true. You guys uh, have something special. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I said, you know, you know, we both talked about them expanding their sections of, like, media. So I remember we both were talking about doing uh, like a film or a TV series a la Game of Thrones or Band of Brothers for the Warhammer universe. Aren't you talking about expanded video games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I was going to say, too. I brought up the subject of, well, why not also expand their video games? They do really great video games, like handheld ones for the phone. Uh, You know, the Dawn of War series was okay. The third one is not that good. Um. But what I would really, really like to see is them expand their ideas for video games. 
Like, I want to see a third-person shooter again, like they did with Space Marine. Space Marine was a good game. It was a great game. I really enjoyed that And they game. got Mark Strong to voice Captain Titus. Mind you, one of my favorite British actors, Mark Strong. He's got a voice that's like butter. Hmm. Um, but, like, I would... Re- like, one of the things I always really imagined that I would like to see is, like, they did something like Mass Effect. Where yeah. you're an Inquisitor, and you build your team of Inquisitorial agents. So you can, like, upgrade your ship go around the galaxy at different sectors. You get to choose what order you want to be a part of. An open world Inquisition game would be pretty awesome. And like and you could just you could release the game and then just constantly release DLC for it. Yeah. Expanding the galaxy. Like Skyrim did or any of those, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like and I would I would literally shell out the money for it. And this is coming from a gamer. I would pay the money to play that game. Well, do you have any other game ideas? Uh well like board games, card games. Well, they they did start. They did the Armageddon game, which I thought was pretty cool. The Armageddon game. Armageddon. It's like tabletop. You're talking about on PC? Yeah. Oh, I have that. The With hex- space wolves and orcs. Yeah. Well, that's the Sanctus Reach. Oh, a Sanctus Reach. Yeah, that's what I have. This one's uh very much like two two D hexel, and you would be playing as the Armageddon Steel Legion versus the Orc Invasion. Uh huh. Of uh, the f- second war for Armageddon, I want to say it is, because um, Commissar Yark isn't a hero in it yet. Okay. I would like to see them do an updated version of that, but make it more like you could do custom scenarios, you could do any faction, you know, stuff like that I would like to see more of. Okay. Um, they have come out with the, um, they had Star, uh, Star Trek. Uh, Warhammer Conquest, which I don't know if that is still... That might not be a thing anymore, but they do have the card game that's out now. Blind packs of card games for Age of Sigmar and 40k. Yeah, yeah. Which is um, a couple of our players at the store have started playing that. It looks neat. I haven't gotten into it, though. It looks interesting, too. Like, I would most likely probably play that. So, basically, you're saying license out their property a lot more for yeah. games and things like they that. They have been very big about, like, hoarding that license. Yeah to their own detriment in my opinion well actually the last um financial report that i have seen from them Mm -hmm. their licensing was quite a bit of their money recently yeah so where they're starting to you know they're licensing you know those tennis shoes now you can get warhammer tennis shoes they've got warhammer it looks like power armor leotards for uh women yes they have chaos are you serious yep they have Chaos, Ultramarines, and a couple others. I and... need these. I need these in my life right now. <laughs> you don't need no, the sneakers. The you sneakers. Don't. I want the sneakers. Okay. <laughs> the leotard, maybe if I had a girlfriend. Uh, I don't know if she'd want to see you in leotard, so. No. <laughs> That's right, guys. The the Lord Master Alex is single. Shout out to all the ladies. That's right. Um. All the ladies listening to this, I'm certain. Yeah. Right? yeah. All those Warhammer players that yeah. are women. Uh, so uh, I guess that brings us to our next point that um, as far as licensing things uh-huh. that I would like to see, I haven't decided yet, but either a movie or like a Netflix series, like Band of Brothers type of, like you were saying, Band yeah. of Brothers uh, based around Imperial Guard or something like that. Um, of course, they'll probably ruin it, which they do with most properties nowadays. You know, they make a show and it sucks. I, I mean, you know, if you got HBO behind it, Band of Brothers was pretty darn good. It was. Good. I enjoyed that. And so is Game of Thrones. Yeah. I'm a throny, so, I mean. <laughs> throny. <laughs> and I don't know if you've watched Westworld. But no, Matt loves that. Me and Matt both. Mr. Matt, yeah. He always. Uh, yeah, Crimson Rat, as, as he goes by. Yeah. And uh, we are both fiends for that show. Yeah, so I mean, they're, you know, and Discovery, Star Trek Discovery, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and Discovery, despite what some people say, um, is an awesome show. You, so know, they're... you know, Scott, we should probably make another segment just about this section, don't you think? Oh, yeah, yeah, we've got plenty to talk about for the, the TV show. We could go on forever for that. So tune in for that whole conversation. At some point, yeah. Yeah, I, I look forward to us having that, that one. We could probably talk for quite some time about the possibilities of setting for the show or movie. Um, how, yeah, all that. So that would be cool. Oh, yeah. Um, well, let's jump to the next one, then. What's your next idea? Well, the first thing I would do is a $10 drop across all items in the catalog. Okay. Um, and why? Well, for starters, I have seen what they pay for their raw material and their production. Uh-huh. They could handle taking $10 off of some of those boxes. 
Now, this is a this is a common thing that people say about the about GW and corporations in general. And it's a fact. It is a fact, but they also now I don't know exactly the number of personnel, but they've got a lot of payroll too, guaranteed. A lot in distribution, a lot in payroll. Now, of course, they're not manning their stores like they used to. Uh, so yeah, no kidding. So they used to have a lot more payroll because yeah. they had a bunch of people at their stores and now they're shrinking down to those one man stores. And I can guarantee you factory production, there's guarantee that there's not that many people in the factories anymore. A lot of automation has outmoded a lot oh. of personnel. Yeah. Well, it used to take a hundred people, now can be done by ten. Although I think they had pretty good um uh net profit in the report i don't recall how much it was but it seemed like it was pretty decent they they didn't somebody say it was their best quarter ever or something it was like yeah. really really good so he says as, he, as the guy sniffs wharf dust off the table <laughs> it's yeah. our best year yet oh <laughs> so um uh what were you talking about oh you're cutting prices yeah ten dollar drop so. across the board um I think that you'll probably never see that, but what you may see is more of the start collecting stuff, where it's a good bundle, like um, Tooth yeah, and Claw. I know I'm not going to see them do it, but my thing is that if I'm running the company, this is what I would do. <laughs> yeah. I know they're not going to do it because it's greed, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I got you. I get that it's that they're saying, oh, it's a great discount, but my my bone of contention is that a Contemptor Dreadnought should not cost you sixty dollars. Yeah, it should at most cost you maybe fifty. I'm just expecting the CFO to take a hit out on you or something. Oh no, okay. I'm yeah. I'm expecting the Vindicare Assassin round to come shooting through this house <laughs> right now. Hypersonic bullet. So you know, speaking of. Uh, start collecting boxes and good deals. Yeah. I'm really, really bothered that, like, for Age of Sigmar, that I think pretty much all of the 40k armies have a start collecting. Well, Age I might of be Sigmar wrong. bothers me in general, but oh, continue. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. Um, so I think pretty much all the 40ks have uh, armies have a start collecting box. I would but, say so. Even some have double, like, different, different sets. Yeah, a couple of them have come out with different sets, but I know not all of the Age of Sigmar armies have start collecting boxes. And... I think that's a travesty because, okay, to my thinking, mm -hmm. if you have already, you have all these old models that still hold up, like Empire, or uh, or Free Guild, it's called now. You've got all these models. Or Braytonia. Um, well, okay, that's a different issue. I'll, I'll cover that in a minute. But So you've got all these models that you have already made tons of money off of. You've already covered your costs for the last 15 years with these models. Why not offer them at a discount? They all—they really don't support in any way all any of their old armies like Free Guild, which I'm thinking, why not? You've yeah. already there's no design. Even if you're not making more of them, yeah, just to get rid of the stock. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand. Now, Free Guild is here to stay, luckily, um, unlike Bretonia and uh, Tomb Kings. But um, shout out to the Tomb Kings. Yeah, I always wanted to play Tomb Kings. I never or got a chance. Or a 40 full of sand for my homies. <laughs> I do have Bretonia, though. And uh, uh, Bretonia is the, you know, redheaded stepchild of, of GW. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the problem is Bretonia, it's not copyrightable. It was, you know, it's Lady of the Lake. I yeah. know, but that's not copyrightable. I know. It's, so you're, Look who you're talking to here, Mr. Mr. Uh, Lore over here. I know, but it just, it sucks. Why couldn't they rename some stuff that's copyrightable? You know, we do have Aurux now, for crying out loud. Why don't we have Bretones? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I am from the Bretones. Um, that sounds like a bad band. That is. The hey, this is the Bretones. Welcome. Yeah. But um, So I would definitely start doing, if if I was in charge, if I was president for the day, yeah. I would make start collecting boxes for all of all of the armies. Yeah. Why not? You've already made your money off it. Yeah, why Just not? Just make more money. Darn right. They give no incentive to start the old, like um, like uh, slaves of dark, uh, slaves to darkness, slaves of darkness, the chaos people. You know the marauders and all that, and um, they give no incentive to like the the um blades of corn book. I yeah. just bought for my uh, bloodbound for AOS, and they don't have any of the marauders. They have none of the chariots. They have none of the slaves to. To darkness, drive me crazy. Two of dark, slaves of dark. Whatever metal band title it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, they have none of those models in there, but those models are still eligible. It says right in the book if they have the corn keyword, which you can give to any of those models. 
dude, those are your old models. They look fine. The Marauder's a little weird, but the Marauder's... Even then, the Marauders are still pretty... They, they hold up. Yeah, they're a little catachin, though, with their beefy arms. They're a little bit dated, but... I mean, yeah, whatever. So what? Cat- you what? You got a problem with catachins now? Yes. Yes, Am I, I going to... Is Sly Marlboro going to have to cut a bitch? <laughs> Choke a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I have a ton of catachins in my army, too. But yeah. they, they've got... Those models don't hold up very well. We need new catachins. You don't hold up too well. No, I don't. Um, well, you know, since we're on the subject of, like, bringing back Imperial Guard stuff, if I was president for the day... I would bring back all of the custom guard factions. You know what I mean? The Mordians, the um, Elysian drop troops. Well, Elysians are Forge World. Oh. I'll get to them in a second. Okay. Boy, have I got a bone to pick with Forge The Talarn. Talarn Desert Raiders. Yeah. The Mordian Iron Guard. Uh, Armageddon Steel Legion. I always had a soft spot for Mordians. I love a man in uniform. <laughs> Woo! There's something about a man in you. So, sop him up with a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the Praetorians? Uh, yeah. I would love to have them come back. Oh, they're old. They haven't... Because you can still you can still buy the metal boxes of Mordians yeah, and whatnot, but, but the Praetorians, want... they don't offer anymore. Yeah. The only way you can get Praetorians now is if you go to a third party like Victoria Miniatures. Yeah. But here's my thing. I'm not just talking about bringing back the metal miniatures. I mean rolling them back out. New plastic yeah, miniatures. Yeah, plastic would be cool. Even um, if they were upgrade kits and, or something. And even the plastic Gaunt's Ghosts. I mean, that would fly off the shelf mm-hmm. if you had Tanith Ghosts. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like just the, the single box that they had. I'm saying like where you had actual squad boxes you could get. Make a whole army of it, yeah. Yeah. And then that would then, in my opinion, turn into start collecting. Mm-hmm. Like I would run, I would start creating, start collecting boxes for each of these guardsmen and have them specifically catered to that faction. Mm-hmm. For example, Talaran is infamous for their tanks mm-hmm. and their walkers. So with this getting started, I'd probably put like a commander, a 10 man infantry squad, and then um, sentinels and a tank. Mm-hmm. You know, the Tanith Ghost are light infantry. So Ibram Gaunt, command squad. Uh, two squads of infantry, and then a sniper team. Yeah. I mean, and once again, um, I would like to see, if nothing else, upgrade kits. Yeah. You know, heads and arms and whatnot for Mordians. Because the Mordians, you could still use the bottom of Cadians. Like, you could... True. You know what I mean? It's yeah. really their shoulder pads, their helmets, you know, yeah. all that. And the dress uniform top, really. Yeah. Which, I mean, so, you could probably get away with if you find the right Cadian box, but then you really are talking about splitting hairs. Yeah, you're really modding a lot. But, yeah. Um, so what other ideas did you have? Something about Forge World, you say? Ah, uh, uh, Forge World. Man, man, man. <laughs> if I was Games Workshop and I was running the company, I would dissolve Forge World. Why? Well, for starters, Forge World, from what I've heard, now, of course, I can't confirm any of this, but they're not making money like they used to. And the problem is, is that because there are recast sites that are producing the same models at, oddly enough, better quality than what Forge World can put out. Yeah, recasts, it seems like Forge, Forge World just ignores recasters. Which is a problem. And instead of like saying, oh, well, since we're charging obviously too much, instead of lowering their prices, they double down and raise them. Yeah, I did hear about the raise and everyone's having a hissy fit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's people signing petitions. Yeah. Oh, oh no. They've got their pens out. Yeah. Well, and of course, they're communicating with their wallets. You know, people aren't buying Forge World like they used to. And even then, like, it's not, like, Forge World is not going to keep making money at this rate. Also, we've seen what Games Workshop can do with plastic miniatures. I understand that back in the day, you could not get the same detail as you'd get with for, with um, making stuff with resin. Yeah. But nowadays, you can get better detail with plastic. With plastic than resin. So if I was Games Workshop and I was smart about it, I would just basically dissolve Forge World and then start re-releasing all the stuff they made in plastic. I've never really understood the whole uh, situation between Forge World and Citadel. It's very much like the Dark Age of Technology. It's all lost in time. It is. No one really knows... 
There's uh, a lot of worshiping and yeah. incense. It's like they're like the machine cult of Mars in some regards, in my opinion, and the way they operate. Very much in secrecy. <laughs> and legends. Um, but from what I remember, if I if memory serves me, which usually it doesn't. It doesn't. Um at one point, Games Workshop and there's like there was like five companies. Yeah. There was Citadel, there was Games Workshop, there was Forge World, and then I don't know what else. Like a couple other companies, like fine, like something like Citadel Cast or another thing like that. Armor Cast, I don't think was part of Games Workshop, but Armor Cast did models for Games Workshop, and then Games Workshop absorbed them. Is that what they did? Because I thought Armor Cast is still around. Uh, there was somebody that was toting the name of Armor Cast, but they were slapped with a cease and desist. Hmm. They like a reprint. They basically they were a reprint shop. No, well, and they got basically slapped with a "you are not armor cast" fan <laughs> hammer. Um, my whole thing is that you know that's why they absolved those other you know companies. Why haven't they done it to games to to Forge World yet? If Forge World's not making money, and you can obviously make the product cheaper at more of a profit to you and at less of a cost to the fan. Why wouldn't you absolve Forge World? That is weird, or at least, at the very least, why doesn't Forge World do plastic now? Because, like you said, the age of resin being better than plastic and more detailed than plastic it's, is definitely over. It's, it's at an end. So, why not just do plastic? It seems like it would be cheaper and easier, but of course, you know, I'm not in the industry, so. Yeah. But anyway, um, my final idea for mm-hmm. something that I would do, if I ran Games Workshop would be, it pisses me off. Here's another Age of Sigmar thing. It pisses me off that, let's say, they had Dark Elves in in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now they've broken everything up into a bunch of tiny, tiny factions, like the Assassins, right? Or whatever the faction's called. The whole, quote-unquote, army is two units. There's HQ, who a hero, which is an assassin. And then they have these, like, um... I'll call them Doom Riders or something. They're these these guys in... They look like assassins That's on horses. That's what for the Doom Rider. <laughs> they're, um, they're like basically assassins on horses. Uh-huh. And that is the entire quote-unquote army. And I'm like, what the hell, Another dude? metal album, Assassins on Horses. <laughs> assassins on... Horse assassins. Horse assassins. Now, do they ride horses or do they kill horses? <laughs> <laughs> now, are they horses that assassinate people or people who assassinate horses? Horse. Oh, you're right. Huh. So w- the question is, would you call them Elmers? That's a question of the ages. Uh, yeah. I would call all of them Elmers. Really? Because, you know. Glue. glue. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, if I ran GW, one of the things I would do is at least make one or two new units for all of those tiny factions, like Night Haunt. They recently did this for Night Haunt. I think they went a little overboard. They yeah. also did it for Sisters of Cain, which I think they also... Well, actually, that's not as bad. But Sisters of Cain had, like, three units, and now they have, like, six or eight, I think. And Night Haunt had, uh, like, four units. Yeah, four units for Night Haunt, and now they have, like, 72 units or something. They just went crazy with Night Haunt, which is fine. Yeah. But... I'm happy they're doing this, but they don't have to do it in such a huge way, and they don't have to take for freaking ever to do it. I agree, 100%. Like, in one year, they could release two units for each one of those armies. You're going to get people buying those little armies, and it doesn't have to be some huge ordeal. Yeah. Like the Spider uh, spider Fang Riders for Graz. Yeah. They have three units, and I'm like, that's not a quote-unquote army. That, that's three units. That's a war band. Yeah. So, I mean, it it just drives me nuts. Oh, no, it it bugs the crap. Well, I will say again, Age of Sigmar just frustrates me in a lot of places. I like Age of Sigmar, so. I don't. Well, we can agree to disagree. No, 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 I can agree that you're wrong. Although I am Pimpcron and I'm always right. (laughs) I don't know about that. So. (laughs) Uh, I just feel like arguing with you. It's all right. Anyway, so uh, that, do you have anything else? Um, No, I mean i like to see what everybody else thinks. What would you do if you were in charge of Games Workshop for, you know, as the president and CEO? Let's, let's, let's boil it down to one thing. It, what would be your very most important thing that you would do? What would be your magnum opus? Yes. If you took over Games Workshop 
and you know what would you cut what would you change what would you whatever put into motion that would be interesting to hear yeah um pimpcron at gmail.com and also the web the uh phone number which i never ever remember i really need to remember that sometime yeah you should probably it's got a bunch in of there. ones in it <laughs> that's all i can tell you it's in the show notes it's always in the show notes so this has been real talk with the pimpcron and lore master alex thank you mr alex thanks for having me later Let's get brutal. Hey, ladies and gents. Now it's time for Let's Get Brutal with the Pimpcron. Tonight, I have a special historical treat for you, and I wanted to cover exactly what we do know about Ishtar and her many names and her many worshippers and her actual historical evidence of what Ishtar has done on the planet Earth in our timeline. As you know, Ishtar, for the purposes of the game Brutality, Ishtar summons enough power in order to pull different characters out of all these different multiverses, all these different dimensions and galaxies and whatnot, and puts them in this secret pocket dimension in order to restore her previous glory and power through the things that she is the patron saint of, basically. The, the, the patron god, I should say. She's no saint, certainly. Um, which is war and sexual love. Now, I will be reading partially from Wikipedia on this, because why should I say it when they have said it pretty darn well? Um, other things I'll be just paraphrasing, because, boy, this is a doozy. So, first of all, I want to say that the name Ishtar is actually a name used by the Akkadians, by the Babylonians, and then by the Assyrians. The name that she went by before she was Ishtar... She went by Inanna from the Sumerians. So the so her original name, as far as humans are concerned, is Inanna. And the Sumerians came before the Akkadian and the other empires. So many of the things when you're looking up information about Ishtar, you also have to look up about Inanna. And some of the lore and the quote-unquote historical knowledge that we have of Ishtar comes in the form of knowledge about Inanna, also, there's been some claims that in the Christian Bible, there's the story of Esther, Esther, I guess it is, it's, it's pronounced E-S-T-H-E-R, so I guess it's Esther or Esther, and, you know, Ishtar and Esther are very similar, and Esther had a lover, and Ishtar had a lover, and it's a somewhat analogous stories. So, when you're actually trying to look up the most ancient religions of humankind that we know of, which would be the Sumerian uh, religions, then it gets very, very complicated. And there are so many stories that these different religions have stolen from each other and just named their different gods different things because, you know, the other counterpart to Inanna, I mean Ishtar, is also Astartes, who is from a completely different pantheon. So there it's it just becomes mind-boggling. So there are things that I'm going to have to just say in covering the actual information we have about Ishtar because we can't possibly try to put this all under one roof because there are multiple versions of the same story depending on what religion and what era you're talking about. There's multiple versions of the same story using two different names for the same goddess, etc. So it's just it's a huge headache. But here's what we do know about Ishtar, and I will just refer to her as Ishtar from now on because that's how most of us know her. So, she was an ancient Sumerian goddess of love, beauty, sex, desire, fertility, war, combat, justice, and political power. She was later worshipped by the Akkadians, Babylonians, and Assyrians under the name Ishtar. She was known as the Queen of Heaven and was the patron goddess of the Iana Temple at the city of Uruk, which was her main cult center. She was associated with the planet Venus, and her most prominent symbols included the lion and the eight-pointed star. Now, in my rulebook, you'll notice that I did not include the lion, but I did include Ishtar's eight-pointed star. So, you know, despite this being a silly little skirmish war game, I actually have tried to put some historical accuracy to this. In pretty much all accounts of Ishtar, and even when she describes herself, she's always described as a extraordinarily beautiful young woman. 
And she even dresses quite nicely intentionally. She actually, in the stories, they actually describe her dressing uh, fashionable, dressing, you know, nicely. And even putting on makeup and jewelry, which is interesting for an actual god to be doing. But she wasn't necessarily evil. There's been a lot of study about her, and it's very fascinating. This is why I, I centered this whole game around her, because she's such a fascinating, mercurial uh, almost bipolar figure. And what I mean by that is, is that she once, in one of the stories, um, she had a sister that was the queen of the underworld. I won't even give you her name because you'll forget it five minutes later. But basically, Ishtar was known as being very um, ambitious. She was a real go-getter. So she declared that she was going to go to the underworld, basically hell, and go visit her sister, who was the queen of the underworld. And all of the gods, including the queen of the underworld, thought that, you know what, maybe she's actually going to try to take over hell. And this is just so up Ishtar's alley. So what she did is she dressed in her finest clothing. She donned her makeup to make her look maximally beautiful, I suppose, and put on jewelry. And she went down to the gates of hell. Well, her sister did not appreciate that she was dressed so finely to come visit Hell, so she decides that at the many, many gates of Hell, as, as Ishtar's descending, that the only way to open the door was to have Ishtar remove an article of clothing. So by the time that she gets down there, she has removed all of her clothing and Ishtar is actually naked. Inexplicably, Ishtar is stripped of all of her power once she's naked, which is not explained in the story, and her sister instantly kills Ishtar with a single blow. Ishtar is then imprisoned in the underworld because she is now dead, and that causes all fertility to leave the earth in this time when Ishtar is dead because she's the goddess of fertility. So no plants are creating fruit, no um, animals are creating babies, no humans are creating babies. It's a pretty terrible time, supposedly. I don't know, I'm certain daycares were having a real rough time. That was a, that was a bad quarter for daycares in elementary schools. But the gods really did not like this, and they decided to hatch a plan and release Ishtar from the underworld. Well, there's this weird thing about the underworld in uh, Sumerian text in that the fact that the underworld is kind of like a bag, I'll say, or a box. And every time somebody is added to the underworld, it expands by one slot. In other words, it can, it can hold one more person because it had to. But if you remove a person from that, then the underworld doesn't shrink back and lose that spot. It has an empty spot, and the underworld cannot have an empty spot. So, which, once again, this is not explained either, because because reasons, okay? So, it's interesting because the gods hatch a plan, and they're able to remove Ishtar from the underworld, but they have to have someone to replace her. So, Ishtar goes back to her throne, and she realizes that her lover is pretty much like unfazed he's sitting in her throne which of course it's her throne not his he's sitting in her throne and he's pretty much just chilling well she's so offended by that that she kills him and sentences him to the underworld to take part take her place in the underworld so she's known very much as a faithful god but she's also known as a vengeful god and throughout history she's been known to you know use her right hand to lovingly brush someone's hair aside and her left hand to decapitate them. She's that sort of weird character. And and I've incorporated all those things into this brutality setting because if you've read the rule book or if you've listened to me talk about it, there's she is also the goddess of justice. And, you know, with the way the game mechanics work and all of that, you know, occasionally she's just you just get spared for seemingly no reason. You know, and she also makes she's a great equalizer of men, basically, where everybody is equal. She's very just in the fact that everybody dies. Everybody's power is somewhat on the same level, you know, playing field and everybody can understand each other's language, even though they don't know the language themselves. They know the intention of the language. So she's not a terrible person, per se, but she's very conniving and she's very ambitious, like I said, and she's also very, very vindictive. 
So, um, I just wanted to end tonight because I think I'll make this a two-parter on her. And I wanted to um, read a quote from, technically it's from Inanna, but that is Ishtar, remember. And this is from the Epic of Gilgamesh, and I'm not going to go into the full amount of it, but she says, Father, let me have the bull of heaven to kill Gilgamesh in his city. For if you do not grant me the bull of heaven, I will pull down the gates of hell itself, crush the doorposts, and flatten the door. And I will let the dead leave, and let the dead roam the earth, and they shall eat the living. The dead will overwhelm all of the living. Now, if that is not a bad bitch, I don't know is. Because that's, that is one of the most epic things I've ever heard. Can you imagine somebody threatening to literally tear down the gates of hell, let all of the dead come out, overwhelm the earth, and eat all of the living? That's some Walking Dead shit right there. Like, that's actually, that's pretty amazing. And uh, that's just a tiny taste. Um, that's from the Epic of Gilgamesh, obviously. And um, that is, that's some pretty awesome stuff. So she's she's got a very bloody bloody past because she's the goddess of war for crying out loud so we'll get more into that but i just uh i, I just find her fascinating and hopefully you do too adios yo i will catch you next week with more warhammer goodness and more pimpcron goodness and certainly more on the baddest bitch to ever draw a breath ishtar good night